a good show. Welcome to Radio Eight Ball. Give us a shake. We are here in your ear, tempting fate. Wherever you are, questions put to song. Randomly, with the help of our friends, synchronicity. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and today we are tributing the music of Joni Mitchell, using that as our oracle fodder for our musical divinations. And we've had some pretty illustrious folks calling in, and now we have a pretty illustrious folk here in the studio himself producer, a songwriter, and uh, someone who has some interesting Joni Mitchell story story, or stories to tell, Steve Gregoropoulos. Welcome to the realm of the pop oracle. Hi. Okay. Um, Listening to Bart do that beautiful version of Both Sides Now um, made me think of something that I totally forgot about, but it's maybe more relevant, which is when I was a little kid, when I was like six years old, I lived in Stores, Connecticut, on Wormwood Hill Road, and uh, two, three houses away from me in one direction was Peter Torkelson, who later grew up to be Peter Tork of the Monkees. Mm-hmm. But two houses away from me on the other side uh, was um, my best friend was a kid named Clark Taylor, <laughs> and uh, his mom was Judy Collins. Oh wow! And she recorded that song, like the hit version of that song you just sang. Wow! And uh, Clark uh, moved away back up to. British Columbia because his dad, I think his name was Pete, lived up in British Columbia. So he moved up there. And then I um, never heard anything more about him for like 40 years. And then I was on the internet and I found out he had killed himself rather famously, uh, like in interviews with Judy Collins and stuff like that. It was about my best friend from first grade. And it was really wow strange. That is. So that- that's... <laughs> That's some. That's a. That's, you know. There's a. There's something about Joni Mitchell to me, that she travels. Again, I, I've said. I said at the beginning of the show. I don't really. I don't. I'm not a fan of Joni Mitchell in the sense that I know a lot of her personal details. I haven't read biographies. I don't. You know, I haven't read in, read interviews with her. I've just had lots of conversations with people who are fans of hers, and I've listened to. A, 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 fair amount of her music but it feels like she travels in a world of intensity and i would almost say that there's almost 
not around her music that I can that I get, but around conversations around her, almost an air of violence. There's this like, I think there's an air of violence yeah. in her music as well. I mean, it's yeah. very powerful music, and it's not friendly on any level. It's like a leader music. It's not joiner music, and and people who are inspired by her music, she's the leader always. Yeah. And there's always violence in leadership. Interesting. So, how does that show? Like when you say that, like there's violence in her music. What does that mean? like? Can you think of a song that's an example or? A... Well, um, I guess I was talking to Caitlin the other day at, at supper about the song uh, Carrie from the record Blue, and uh, her relationship to that song was so different than mine. Um, cause to me, I, I experienced that song like, a Paul Gauguin paintings of Polynesian girls. Like, it's like the most extreme sort of version of conquest by the Western world. Mm-hmm. And it uses music the way it uses music from other cultures and so forth. And the experience it describes the tourist town, everything about it, there's violence and all those things. And yet it's beautiful music. But when she sings, I'm going to go, you know, basically, I don't know if I can swear on this or not. You can, yeah. I'm going to fuck off back to Paris and like rent a grand piano and live in a hotel room. And she's saying this after she's talking about having an affair with some poor beach bum guy living in a tourist town. And there's just like this giant gap of privilege. And yet the music is beautiful. But you can't not think of it. I mean, it's part of what the music's built from. Mm-hmm. Is her story of... It's her perspective, her story. And, and, and just to have the power to even... for To be who she was, to be this Canadian woman coming down the coast in the 1960s or whatever and, and conquering the world is a violent thing in a way. Just automatically have to have that kind of power to be that person and not be ground to dirt at that point. Right. Right, leader music, like you said. Leader music, yeah. That's, I never, I've never heard that term, but I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I think I, I know actually, I don't know exactly what you mean, but I that has a deep resonance for me as soon as you say it. Like, oh, they're, yeah. Are, can you think of other artists that you feel like inhabit that space of? Probably music? if I, if I thought about it, but I wasn't prepared to That's think okay. of that. That's okay. No, don't worry about it. Like, any it's questions like that, Jenny I just Nash. cut it right it's out. About Jenny Nash, yeah. um, so, well, I want to get into your question, your Joni Mitchell-inspired question, but is there any other sort of quintessential Joni Mitchell touchstone story that you would like to share with yeah, us? Yeah, uh, sure. I'll, I'll say the one that I told you on the phone, which is that um, I'm in a pop group called Lavender Diamond and we're sort of anti-violent music as much as we can be and still exist in people's consciousness. But um, at one point in like 2007, Vanity Fair uh, did an article about women in music and even having to do an article about women in music has violence built into it on some level. But because there's a giant world of oppression that exists to this date. But anyway, the the lead singer and principal person in our band is Becky Stark and she's a great artist and she was one of the women in music uh, in the Vanity Fair article and they, they did a bunch of a photo shoot where all the people in the same afternoon were getting their photos shot and uh, Joni was adjacent to Becky she was her 
the next photo over from Becky, so mm -hmm. they hung out together, and Joni basically chain-smoked and <laughs> talked a lot of crap, and then they got their pictures taken. So that's my, my touchstone to Joni is, you know, I'm in the margins of history, and that's one of the many yeah. margins I'm in. Yeah. So what, do, what is the question you have for us? All right, yeah. my question is, okay, so on the, on the album Clouds, right, um, there's a song called The Fiddle and the Drum, and then uh, two years later, Neil Young wrote a song called Journey Through the Past, which, uh, you want to play it? No, 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 I'm just getting ready to play the... Okay, well, it's got a line. I will stay with you if you'll stay with me, said the fiddler to the drum, right? Anyway, and then Joni wrote this song on that record called That Song About the Midway. And uh, it's about hearing this guy playing the guitar in a midway in Toronto. And then in the second verse of that, uh, she sings, uh, you, were, you were betting on a lover, you were shaking up some dice, and I thought I heard you um, cheating once or twice. And the song, like, it starts on an E chord with an F sharp over it, and then comes in singing over a B chord, right? And then five years later, Neil Young wrote this song called Barstool Blues, which also starts on an E chord with an F sharp over it, also goes to a B chord where he comes in singing, and the second verse is, um, once there was a friend of mine who lived a thousand deaths, his mind was full of parasites and countless idle threats. He trusted on a woman, and on her he placed his bet. Once there was a friend of mine who lives a thousand deaths. Well, my question is, is Neil Young the guy playing the guitar on the Midway in that song about the Midway? Awesome. Deep, deep cut question. Okay. Would you mind handing me those cards for a second? Uh, I, would, are... I would not. Okay. These are the cards. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know what they were. Okay. So I'm going to put these here. And when I sing the song, you do as I say. So. All right. Well, it depends on what you say, but... You'll, it'll be easy. It'll be fun. Okay. Consent is good. I like that. Okay. I like that proviso. So... Okay. Well, that's a great question. And now to engage the Pop Oracle, you get to pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Song number three, People's Parties from Court and Spark, performed by KP and Johnny Hawthorne. All right. Thinking it is nobody And Jack behind his 
And that was People's Parties, the answer to Steve's question. And actually, it, this question is such a deep dive on Joni Mitchell that it's like I'm in, in this, the room with a physicist. You know, so you're going to have to represent the question. Was Neil Young, the singer-songwriter on the Midway? The guitar player. The, the guitar player. The guitar player on the Midway. That's the, the, the question I heard. Yeah. Well, I'd say the answer is Yes. Well, tell, so first of all, let's talk about how that, <laughs> let's talk about uh, why, why did you choose People's Parties? First of all, that was K.P. Hawthorne mm-hmm. and Johnny Hawthorne mm-hmm. performing that song. Because we're married. Because, okay. well, you perform that song because you're married or you're, you have the same last name because you're married. the same last name because we're married, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is it that made you choose that song? Well, um, Johnny and I like to do this thing at home where... We sort of stump each other with music, and uh, one night, you know, we just sort of sit around and listen to music, and we both love Joni, and um, so one night, we we just decided to learn people's parties, and we thought it was so interesting because it's just that open tuning, it's the same progression over and over again. It's this weird, long, how many bars of the same, and it happens, and then it just happens again, happens again, and she does all this crazy vocal stuff. And you don't even realize how simple the thing is because it's just a repetitive thing. So anyway, we cool. loved it, and uh, that's why we, t- we that's did. That's why it. you did it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you think? So Steve, what do you think about that? As the well, I was thinking that um, since we started with both sides now and went to that, that it also has got that you know minor third thing at the bottom with right? the open tuning like yeah. that. So it's. It's musically linked in, so I think what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> so you're not, you don't think, you're, even Vegas. though you put the question out, you're not sure, you're not ready to make a, a determination. Well, obviously, no, I did make a determination. Oh, the determination is that I'm not going to answer it. Oh, okay, yes. Again, I love it. You are you, your your language is full of uh, consent. Like you're right. you're very you're rigorous about your consent, and I feel like that's something. It's a it's something that's like a it's a future conversation. We haven't quite got there culturally. Every so really word is very that. thought out here. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Well, you so know what I I've happening. always when I was when I was taught around the around consent conversations is that when someone says no to you, you know what the 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 response is, thank you, because oh. <laughs> now I know your boundary. Now I know. Now I know your boundary. I know. I, it's not, I don't have to try and figure out. That's a no. That's thank you so much. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I, 
at being the fool that I am, I'm just going to wade into this. So people's parties, when, I mean, clearly, I mean, just from a very surface standpoint, mm -hmm. what you're talking about is that we, I mean, you, you may have had some interactions in some ways with Joni Mitchell, but I haven't. And so for and most of us haven't. So when we think about Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, and we were talking about it before, like even David Crosby and Stephen Stills can't agree with when Crosby, Stills, Nash came together and where it came together. And it's, it's, it's like these are mythological stories and we project ourselves into it. So our idea of these people, like she's thinking about people's parties, but the parties that we think about that inspire us are these like Laurel Canyon parties. And of course, every, you know, if there's a songwriter in Joni Mitchell's song, if there's a guitar player, it's going to be a famous song. It's going to be a sure. famous guitar player. It's not going to be just some guy on the midway. It's going to be Neil Young. Of course, her life is populated with illustrious people. Mm -hmm. And, but the thing is that I think that there's something about that, like, and maybe I, again, inside the song, I'm not quite sure, but is there something about you well, know. if you think about the song, yeah, it, she says, me and my frightened silence thinking I don't understand. So she's sort of a wallflower, and she's singing about Jack Nicholson and Grace Kelly being mm -hmm. at a party full of all these Hollywood elites. And she's just this artist that's there. And she's looking around, at all, and she doesn't feel like she fits in. So it's pretty cool. It's and at the same time, it's just... a because, like, so she's looking at someone else's, she's looking at somebody else's movie star party. Mm -hmm. We're looking at her rock star party, right. or, or projecting ourselves into it. And probably someone out there in the, like, listening to this is projecting themselves into this and think, wow, what if I, God, why? like, every Joni Mitchell fan would like, why can't I be, I should be singing that, why couldn't I be there at that party? And there's something about, like, the, like we're always... Isn't we're, that what we were saying about Woodstock to begin with? Yeah, that yeah. That was her projecting an entire half a million people. Right. Right. Yeah. That the... That's right. The, uh, the universal experience is the experience of not fitting in. Right. It's not the... Not the and, and looking at it and thinking, at, like, seeing that and either judging it or envying it, but that experience, the universal, the leader experience, as you would say, is... Uh, um, is one of feeling isolated or, you Yes. Know. And that's maybe where it comes from not a place of empathy because it's the loneliest music, maybe. Mm-hmm. You're a heavy cat, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> serious. Cool. Well, now I'm, I'm, I guess we're all going to go back to our record club. So the, the Midway is on which, which album? It's on Clouds. It's on Clouds. And the Neil Young song you're talking is? Uh, is on Zuma. And the, the song again is? Uh, Barstool Blues. Barstool Blues. We're all going to do our homework Yeah, now. we're going to do our homework. I'm going to put the links in this. So if you're checking this out, you can go check it out and mm -hmm. you can make your own determination and see how that measures up with people's parties. We all know how Neil Young sounds on guitar, so we'll all figure it out tonight. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities 
connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave 